nervous public speaker. Public speaking doesn't bother me. But it's something about when you're proclaiming the name of Jesus or when you're singing the name of Jesus, that makes you nervous. So just bear with me this morning. I'm honored to be speaking in front of you guys again this year. Um, I was happy when Marshall asked me to do it. I said, sure, no problem. And Pastor is in a series that is called Our Red Letter Living, where he's focusing on the things that Jesus said that are in red. And although some of the scripture that I'm going to be going over today, it, you'll see things in red, Jesus saying things, I'm going to veer off of the Red Letter Living series today just for a little bit. I hope that's okay with everybody. All right, all right. So some of us work in here outside the home. Some of us work inside the home. We're stay-at-home moms. We're stay-at-home dads. But in some of your jobs, whatever it may be, I would, gar- I would dare to say that it probably requires you to multitask. At some point or another, we have all had to multitask, whether you work outside your home or whether you work inside your home. I've seen mothers where they've been talking on the phone and feeding a baby. I've seen people walking and chewing gum. I've seen people that have been in meetings before. When I did work outside the home, I've seen people in meetings before. And although they're listening to the meeting, they're emailing somebody. So how much are you really listening? I've seen a lot of people in today's day and age texting and driving. Big no-no, big, big no-no. So we, when needed, we all need to multitask at times, and that's fine. But although I may be able to do more than one thing at a time, my focus just is not that good when it's split between two things. But that's not so with Jesus. There wasn't a disease that he couldn't cure, and there wasn't a problem that he couldn't solve. Jesus could walk among the crowds, carry a conversation, and heal somebody at the same time. Jesus was, is, and will always be the greatest multitasker I know. So in our passage today, we're going to see where Jesus is going to do some of that multitasking. He's faced with two situations at the same time. Both of them have a critical need. Now, men, please bear with me. I know it's Mother's Day, and I know y'all are thinking she's going to speak to the mothers. She ain't going to include us. This is not for mothers, so don't check out on me. This is for everyone in here today. Although the passage that I'm going to read may deal with women, I didn't pick it because it's Mother's Day. I picked it because of what those two women needed. And that was a touch. And I'm sure that there's somebody in here in this crowd that you may need a touch also. But the thing that I found interesting was that although they needed a touch, the touch was completed in two totally different ways. So this morning, if you have your Bible with you, however you have it, if it's the actual Bible, e-Bible, your phone, if you want to go on and turn to Mark 5 and just be prepared, we're going to go down to chapter 22. So if you want to just hold your place there, Mark 5, chapter 22 is where we're going to start. How many know that a touch, it can be pleasant, it can be painful? A touch can also be distinctive. If you have an iPad, if you have an iPhone, the inventors of Apple knew that. You can access your phone or your iPad just by your touch. That's all you need. A touch can change a person's life. 
touch can change a person, though. So let me introduce my topic to you. Disappointments are his appointments. Lord, Satan is not wanting this message to get out tonight or today, but he doesn't know I got a loud mouth. I can talk without a microphone. I don't need this. Disappointments, disappointments are his appointments. Hold on one second. Let me just get adjusted. And was no better, but rather grew worse. But she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made whole. I want you to remember that. If I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned to the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear, trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So this morning we see that Jairus is, he has a sick daughter. I don't know about you, I don't know about all the mothers, but I know for me, when my kids are sick, there's nothing I wouldn't do to heal them. I will go to the ends of the earth to make them well and to not be in pain. I'll use whatever money I have, I'll use whatever resource I have just to make them feel better. And that's exactly what Jairus did this morning. He used his money in order to get to Jesus quickly because he knew his money couldn't heal his daughter. But many of us have tried money when what we really needed was the Messiah. So he tells Jesus that his daughter is sick and she's close to death and he needs him to come. So Jesus goes with him. But just as Jesus is going to Jairus' house, there's another woman that has a need. Have you ever been on your way to do something And as you're going to do something, something else pops up. Then you're caught in that dilemma. What do I do? What do I do first? Which one has the greater need? Which one can wait? That's exactly what Jesus was facing here. He has the same problem. So the little girl that was close to death, he was trying to go see her, but there was somebody else that had a need. It's interesting to me that both of these daughters, and the reason why I call them daughters is because as we read, Jesus called one of them his daughter, and the other one is Jairus' daughter. So therefore, these daughters have some things in common. One of them had an issue for 12 years that we just read. That's the age of the same, the other daughter. Both of them had no cure for their issue. They were both considered unclean, They were both considered an outcast. They couldn't be touched because if you touched them, then there would be a fear that you could be unclean yourself. Sometimes 
The sickness that you may have, it makes you connect with others that have that same sickness as you. People tend to become whatever you allow around you in your circle. You wonder why you keep doing what you're doing? Look at your company to your left and your right. You want to stop spending money? Stop hanging around with shopaholics. You want to stop drinking? Stop hanging around with alcoholics. I'm sorry, my bad. I guess technical term is drinkers or whatever. So sometimes your sickness can be so bad, it can disconnect you from society or from anything that's normal. I know for me, I'll tell you a little something personal about me. For me, I had a sickness for over 13 plus years. My sickness was unforgiveness. And my unforgiveness was so bad that it had me to a place where I wasn't even myself. The happy me became a hateful me. The victorious me became a vengeful me. I was trying to always look to see who I could get before they got me. I didn't want to be bothered with people, even though that was my ministry, to be bothered with people. I didn't want to be bothered with people. I just wanted to be left alone. I didn't want to trust anybody. I didn't want to try to trust anybody. My sickness had robbed me of so many years. And now looking back, I can't get that time back. I guess you could say, and some of you young people will know what I'm talking about, Satan had me like Kiki. I was all wrapped up in my feelings. I couldn't enjoy anything about Jesus, nothing that he did, nothing that he tried to bless me with. I couldn't enjoy anything because my sickness was robbing me. So now although Jesus is used to touching people, I said by law he couldn't or he shouldn't touch these two. But this woman heard through Twitter, you know, back then that was their mouth-to-mouth conversation. So this woman heard through the mouth-to-mouth conversation that Jesus was in town. And she knew that if she could just touch him, not him touch her, if she could touch him, she knew she would be healed. As you can see from the slide, I hope it's up. There it is. So she knew all she had to do was just to touch him. And nothing was going to keep her from touching him. Now, you know your situation is bad when you have that kind of mentality towards Jesus, when you're just like nothing is going to keep you from getting to him. You're going to get down on your knees. You're going to crawl. You're going to come up from behind him like she did. You're going to do whatever it takes. And you don't care. She said, I don't have to shake his hand. I just need to touch him. I don't need to take a picture with him, as the young people do today, taking selfies to capture the the moment of everything that goes on. She didn't need a selfie. She just needed to touch him. This woman had been disappointed for 12 years, going from doctor to doctor, trying thing after thing, and nothing worked. But all of her disappointments led up to God's appointment. Then came the famous question that he asked, who touched me? Now, Jesus, all these people around you, and you want to know who touched you specifically? He knew who it was. He was just calling her out. Because sometimes Jesus has to call you out of your shame. He has to call you out of your insecurity that you have. He has to call you out of the situations that you're in. You can't be touched by God and healed and think you're going to just walk away quietly. 
It doesn't happen that way. Because a real touch, that doesn't go unnoticed. Everybody notices a real touch from Jesus. And this woman had been healed because of the disruptive faith that she had. It wasn't because of anything that Jesus did. He didn't touch her. She touched him. So her faith healed her and it saved her. Her faith delivered her into the presence of Jesus when she wasn't even supposed to be there. And her faith protected her. So now we focused on this lady a little bit. Let's move on to the second daughter. If you could go back into Mark chapter 5, we're going to go down to verses 35 through 43. It says, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people wailing, weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, just sleeping. And they laughed at him. Hmm laughed at Jesus Lord have mercy but he put them all outside and took the child's father mother and those who were with him and went in there where the child was taking her by the hand he said to her Talitha Kumi which means little girl I say to you arise and immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years old and they were immediately overcome with amazement And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. So I said earlier that Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. And on the way, there was a woman with another need. Well, the woman touched him. She was healed. But now someone came up to Jairus and said, don't bother the teacher. Your child is dead. I wonder... If I could have hopped inside his mind what he was thinking. My child is dead. You think he felt shock, anger, bitterness, disappointment? At the same time that you healed this woman, my daughter just died. But Jesus knew his thoughts, and that's why he said to him, do not fear, only believe. Jesus was not asking Jairus to believe for the right now. He was also asking him to believe for the future. The disappointment that he was feeling was Jesus' appointment that was about to come up. I mentioned some things that the daughters had in common. So let me tell you the biggest difference difference that the two daughters did not have in common. So the one reached out to Jesus. The second one didn't have the ability to reach out to Jesus, as you can see in the slide that will be coming up. In the second situation, that one's personal because Jesus went to her. She couldn't go to him. The sad thing is, as you can see, Jesus is right there in her house, and she still can't touch him. She still can't reach out and touch him for whatever's wrong with her. And I would venture to say that there's probably people here this morning that God is right here with you, right next to you, 
and you can't reach out and touch him. For whatever the reason may be, you've lost the ability for whatever that is. Maybe you can't reach him because somehow you've gotten separated from him. And the word says in Romans 8.35, can anything separate us from the love of God or from Christ's love? What separated you? That's my question. You're hurt from church people, so you decide, oh, I don't need the God thing. I don't need church. I've always found that statement interesting because it's funny how you'll cut off God because of church people, but you have church, you have people, regular people in your life right now, and you have people that you're in relationships with, and they hurt you over and over and do you wrong over and over, but what do you do? You keep going right on back, but you can't go back to church because a churchgoer hurts you. Sometimes you can't reach out because you don't want others to know that you have a need. We're too used to walking around. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh-uh, I'm fine. So you can't reach out to Jesus this morning, and he's right here, right by you. Some people play that game where they're a wannabe Christian. They say the right things. They act in all of the right ways, it seems. But down deep inside, if it's just them and God, they don't know him. They don't know him from their next-door neighbor or person down the street. But it's interesting that we're, we're quick to separate from Jesus when he wouldn't let nothing separate him from that cross that he died on for us. And if y'all know me, a lot of y'all know me, when I hear people complaining about, oh, I can't stand, oh, I don't want to drive this far, oh, the weather is bad, I can't come to church. If y'all know me well enough, y'all know my favorite saying, how dare you? Jesus went as far as he went to get to that cross through heat, through being beat, through pain, through everything. There was nothing that was going to stop him from getting to the cross for you. But yet we, in turn, we can't stand for 15, 20 minutes. We can't pray for five or 10 minutes. We can't get outside to go meet in God's house because, oh, it's cold. Mm, I'm going to get wet. Lord, help us. But speaking of dying, in verse 39 and 40, In verse 39 and 40, Jesus said that the child is not dead but asleep, but they laughed at him. Now, Marshall's already covered in a couple of sermons ago that the weepers and wailers of those days, they were professional weepers and wailers. That's what they were paid to do that, weep and wail. I don't know about y'all, but hold on a minute. I'm going to pay you to do a job, and then you're going to laugh at something with my situation? Mm-mm, I don't think so. They laughed at Jesus, and what did he do? Put them out. Now, y'all know where I'm getting ready to go with this. He took, Je- he took Jesus went in there. He took his fa- the father, the mother, and the disciples that were with him, Peter, James, and John. Everybody else he put out. Now, you know some of y'all here have got people in your lives. You need to put them out. They are laughing at you for the things you're trying to do get out. You've given them money and they're laughing behind your back. 
get out. Bye, Felicia. There are some people that are around you, plain and simple. They're just not good for you. You got to tell them to get out. And I'm not telling y'all to do nothing that I didn't do myself. One day, about mm, six months ago, I sat myself down, had some cold water, and I had a block party all by myself. I took my computer, I opened up my social media, and I started blocking people. Because you know what? I had kept so many people on my social media because I was afraid that I was going to offend you by blocking you. You ain't afraid of offending me. Why do I need to be afraid of offending you? So I sat down and one by one, block, block. I don't have to talk to them face to face to tell them to get out of my life. They know. I've been told by my family that I say a lot without saying anything. So that's what I do a lot of the time. And they knew exactly. Those people today, if you were to talk to them and ask them about me, they know. But the thing is, is that God is trying to remove some, some people from your life because he wants to touch you personally. But he can't do that because you have these people around you. You're letting people touch you in unhealthy ways. So speaking of the touch, I wanted to point out one other thing, and then we're done, I promise. And I'm not like pastor. I'm, I really, y'all that know me, know me. When I say I'm going to be done, I'm done. When I'm done, I'm done. So I did say that it was unlawful for Jesus to deal with either of them, much less to touch them. Now, the first daughter, Jesus could say, I ain't even see her. She snuck up behind me. I didn't know she was coming. We all know that, that wouldn't be true, but he could say that. But with Jairus' daughter, he had to make the decision. Do I break the law or do I lose a child? And in the same way that he broke the law back then for that girl, he broke the law for us too. Because while we were considered dead, while we were considered untouchable, while we were considered unusable, he overlooked all of those faults, and he saw our need, which was the need for a Savior. Some of you here this morning, you're stuck, and you're disappointed. But your disappointments are his appointments. You've been laying in the same situation stuck. You've been a victim. It's robbed you of relationships. You should have done more. You should have been further in your life, but you're laying here stuck. As you're dying, you're telling yourself. You're talking yourself out of the dreams, out of your future, because you can't get up. Some people here today, you've fallen and you've just never gotten back up. The Bible says in verse 41 that when Jesus spoke, she got up and stood to her feet. She got up and she stood to her feet. The one that everyone thought was dead. She was good for nothing. Her future was over. She stood to her feet. And Jesus is saying the same thing this morning and here. The dead thing in this building has to die. And you need to get up. 
So if everyone could stand to their feet this morning, if you could bow your heads, if you could close your eyes, no one looking around, please, at all. No one looking around at all. Some of you here have never, ever received that first touch from Jesus. That touch that started a personal relationship with Christ. That touch that you knew that if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. You've never had that touch. If you've never had that touch, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to say a prayer with you. If you could just raise your hand. If you've never had that touch from Jesus where you've able to start a personal relationship with him, I just need you to raise your hand. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want everybody to make sure that if you leave here today, if something happened to you, that you know that you had that first initial touch from Jesus that started your personal relationship with him. If there's nobody here for that, some of you already have a personal relationship with Christ. But some of you just need a touch from him this morning for whatever it may be. There may be something dead that needs to be removed so you can rise up. If you'd like to raise your hand, I'd like to pray for you. Anyone that needs a touch this morning, I see you. I see you. A lot of us this morning here, this that's here this morning, we need a touch. My hand goes up. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, as you see the hands that are raised, you know the touch that's needed, Lord God. No one else needs to know. I ask that you just touch their lives. You touch them, Lord God, in a miraculous way that when people see them, they know that was a touch from Jesus. Lord God, I just ask that you just Give your people what they stand in need of, Lord God, so that they may rise up and not be stuck anymore in their life. That they may be able to walk out of here a new person, on fire for you, Lord God, willing to tell the next person and the next person, Lord God, what you've done for them. But Lord God, better than that, change us so much that people just come to us and say, what's different about you? I want what you have, Lord God. Help us to be the loving person that you've called us to be, Lord God. Lord God, if it's, fi- if it's finances here that need to be touched, touch the finances in a way that only you can, Lord God, where there's an abundance. If there's relationships that need to be healed, if there's marriages that need to be restored, Lord God, touch in a way that only you can touch, Lord God. Lord, you're the breaker of chains, not anyone else. And we thank you, Lord God, for the way that you love us. We thank you, Lord God, for the way that you keep us in your hand, Lord, even when we try to fall out ourselves. Lord God, as the song is saying, I just want you and nothing else, Lord God. Help us to have that mentality like the woman today. I just want you. I just need you. I don't need anything else, Lord God. I thank you for the hands that were raised, Lord God. And again, I ask that you touch them and bless them. And keep a hedge of protection around them, Lord God. We love you and we praise your name this morning for all you've done, Lord, but most importantly for what you're going to do that we haven't seen yet. That's your appointment, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.